Christmas is the time of gift giving. So what better time to talk about the gifts that God gives to us? On your sermon notes, there's a 111 box. And there's a line in the box. So I'd like to challenge you to join me in your notes, the 11 prayer movement during this Christmas season. It's very simple. We can all do it. The prayer movement, which started in Korea, is defined by three steps. We need to make this commitment that we would pray in your notes for one person who is unchurched for one minute daily until Christmas at one o'clock every day. It's as simple as that. You pray for one special person between now and Christmas for one minute daily at one o'clock. You write the name of the person in the box who does not know Jesus or who is unchurched. You pray that God would open the eyes of this person for their Savior. And you pray that you would have the courage then to invite this person to a Christmas service. Today we're going to talk about God's gift of strength. We all need, in one way or another, God's gift of strength. If you don't think you need the strength of God, then you have not been Christmas shopping at the mall. You need God's power just to get through this busy season. So there are two very important things we have to understand about God's strength. Number one, in your notes. The first thing we need to understand is that God is a powerful God. The Bible uses the word omnipotent, so it means all-powerful. It means anything in the universe that can be accomplished by power, God can accomplish it. Now, sometimes we think about that and think, well, I never doubted God's power or that he's great. So what does that have to do with me? This is where the second point is also important for us to remember. Number two in your notes, God is an empowering God. God says, I want to share my power with you. I want to give you power to deal with things that come up in your life. One of my favorite Psalms is on this topic. Look at Psalm 29. David says, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. Let me stop there and set the scene. Because David is here describing a thunderstorm that's brewing over the Mediterranean Sea. It's a powerful storm beginning to develop. The storm is then going to move on shore. And it's going to rumble through the desert. So David as a shepherd, which means he knew what it was like to be by himself in the middle of the desert with his sheep. When a desert storm would roar through. It was one of the most spectacular displays of power of nature that you will ever witness. So David is using this word picture to describe God's power. So David continues, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. 
The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. Let me stop here because how big are the cedars of Lebanon? They are so big that they can actually be 30 feet wide at the trunk. They can be 12 stories tall. So what David is saying is that a mere whisper from the lips of God is powerful enough to turn that huge tree into mere kindling. So David continues. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. Let me explain that Mount Syrian is a 9,000-foot mountain. It is also called Mount Hermon. In other words, David is saying that the voice of God is so powerful that it can make mountains quiver and even dance. So David continues, the voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. Let me explain again how powerful lightning is. Within a fraction of a second, a bolt of lightning releases 100 million volts of electricity, 13,000 million horsepower at a temperature five times hotter than the surface of the sun. So David is saying one word from the lips of God is far more powerful than all the lightning in nearly 2,000 thunderstorms that are taking place at this very moment all around the planet Earth. So if you know that Kaddish is in the south and Syrian is in the north, then you know that David is saying that God's power flows across the entire land. There is no place to go to get away from or to escape the power of God. David is saying that lightning is just child's play compared to God's power. So David continues, The voice of the Lord twists the oaks, strips the forest bare. Then David asks, what is our response to all of that? What is the natural response of human being would have in the face of all this breathtakingly awesome power of God. So David says, in his temple, all cry glory. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. See, David has been talking about the power of God. But what comes at the end is amazing. It's like a surprise ending. It takes a completely different turn. He is saying not only is God powerful... Not only is he omnipotent, but God does not hoard his own power. Because God is a power-sharing God. And God wants to equip and empower you and me. So we can find peace and find endurance and courage. Look at 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. So we all need God's strength. And God is a God who wants to give us his power. So where do we individually need that power the most? So there are three areas of life where we need strength from God. Number one, when we need God's strength to get us through in your notes, get us through what we cannot get through on our own. The sobering truth of life is that you will face tragedy. 
where you are going to hurt so bad. It may be a son or a daughter. It may be a mom or a dad. It may be a best friend. <clears throat> Look at John 16:33, where Jesus said, Because you live in a world that is corrupted by sin, there's going to be what? Pain. In the midst of that pain, Jesus says, We will need courage. We will need peace. And Jesus will give his power and his strength so that we'll give you peace. We'll give you the courage that you need. See, we're all going to need God's strength to get through that what we cannot get through on our own. Then number two, we also need in your notes God's strength to avoid doing what we know we should not do. See, a lot of the time in life, we know, we know what we should not do. Look at 1 Corinthians 10. God can give us strength to avoid doing what we know we shouldn't do. Temptations beckon us every day. Temptations are those ethical and moral shortcuts that will inevitably lead us to a dead end. Should you shade the truth on your resume? Nobody checks that stuff out, do they? Should you rent that X-rated movie? We're all adults, you know. Should we take credit for your assistant's idea? If you do it right, you can get all the glory. Should you report the side income to the IRS? They have no way to trace that stuff, can they? Should you go way out on a limb? It's shaky already. To buy that expensive car that you want. You deserve some fun, don't you? The problem is we know. We know what we shouldn't do, but we lack the power not to do it. Then number three in your notes. We need God's strength also to do what we know we should do. Yeah, we come to church. We attend Bible class. We hear teachings how we can be men of virtue and women of character. We hear how God wants us to live, and it all makes sense. We say that is the best way to live. We are supposed to serve others. But our natural inclination is to serve self. We are to be generous to those who are needy. But our natural inclination is to cling to our possessions we have. We're supposed to be patient. Going down the highway, we find it somewhat talking on their cell phone. Even going 15 miles under the speed limit. It's pretty hard not to be impatient. We're supposed to forgive. Forgive those that harm us. But if you are from Chicago, you don't get mad, you just get even. The truth is that we all need God's power. So how do we get God's power? Let me share four steps for receiving God's strength. In your notes, number one, you affirm God's power and presence. When we are feeling weak because we have forgotten we are serving an omnipotent God, then we need to affirm God's power. On the back of your notes in First Chronicles 16, he says, look to the Lord and to his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders that he has done, his miracles, the judgments he has pronounced. So in your notes, remember God's track record. See, God has an amazing track record for coming through for those who are his children. So you go back and you remember the panoramic unfolding of the history of the Old Testament in the Bible. 
You remember how God empowered Moses, how he strengthened David, how he undergirded Daniel, how he emboldened Peter, how he supported Paul. Then look at Joshua 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong, be courageous, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, because the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The important thing to remember, the same God is present in your life, gives strength to you. God can be as present with his power in your life as he was with Joseph, with David, with Gideon, with Peter, with Paul. So the first step is affirm. Affirm God's power and presence. Number two, the second step in your notes. Admit your own weakness. Our first reaction to temptation and struggle is we try to get through this on our own. We don't want to burden somebody else. But Paul helps us, he says, to admit your own weakness so that God can fill us with his power. Look at 2 Corinthians 12. The Lord God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power. My power is made perfect where? In weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. See, we need to admit our weakness. You need to empty yourself. Then you need in your nose to open up to God. And we cannot be filled with power from God until we are first, in your notes, empty ourselves. When we are empty, then God can fill us that vacuum with his powerful presence. So we need to admit to him, I cannot get through this tragedy. I cannot resist this temptation. I cannot do what the Bible tells me to do apart from your power. And when we hang on to our own self-reliance or when we cling to self-dependence, then our hearts are only partially open to God. So number one, affirm God's power. Number two, admit your own weakness. In your notes, number three, align yourself with God's will. See, God's power is not like an electrical outlet where you just plug in and receive power for any purpose that you want. Sometimes we look for God's power for all the wrong reasons. So look at John 15. Please read that verse with me together out loud, where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit, for you can do nothing without me. We need to be as intimately connected with God and his purposes as a vine is to his branches. God gives strength to accomplish always his goals and his purposes. So when we are pursuing our own purposes, we can't expect strength from God. Because apart from God, you can do nothing. It would not make sense that God would supernaturally give you strength to do an independent purpose for your life that runs opposite to God's purpose. As a branch is connected to the vine in your notes, you must connect to God's purpose. Connecting to God's purpose is always the best agenda. Connecting to the will of God begins in your notes where? The moment we recognize we need forgiveness from God. So the Bible says in your notes, the separation from God, that's sin. And we all are sinners. And when we open our hearts to Jesus and say, I am a sinner in need of grace and your forgiveness. 
I am trusting in your notes, trusting in Jesus. That's when we begin to align ourselves with God's plan. As we study the Bible, as we hear God's word, you receive guidance of the Holy Spirit then to align your life with his purpose. Number one, affirm God's power. Number two, admit your weakness. Number three, align yourself with God's will. And number fourthly, in your notes, ask God for the strength you need. Too often when we're asking for something, we kind of beat around the bush. Why is it the last thing we do, ask God? Because we ought to solve it on our own. But look what James says, James 4, verse 2. He says, you do not have because what? You do not ask God. God has his power waiting for you. But if you do not ask, you are not going to get it. When we don't feel empowered, nevertheless, we are to take action. We are to be obedient. We are to go down the road that God wants us to walk on. And he will give us strength as strength is needed. And the perfect example in your notes is Jesus. Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's overwhelmed by emotion. He is feeling weak. He is overwrought in his stress and anxiety so that his blood seeps like sweat. He prays that he will do whatever, however, to align himself with the will of his Heavenly Father. So by obedience, Jesus walks out of that garden into the arms of his betrayer, And he went before Pilate. He walked down the road to a humiliating death on the cross. But God gave him strength as strength was needed. So when we walk down the road of obedience, even when we don't always feel empowered, we are demonstrating our faith in God. See, faith is belief plus action. In your notes, Martin Luther said, the word faith, the word faith in the Bible is always a busy, active thing. In fact, in the original Greek language, the word faith is never used as a noun. It is always a verb. It's very active. Someone said that if you looked at a picture and you took a picture of faith, it would always come out blurred. Luther said that faith was a busy, active thing. So if you are sitting in the parking lot of Chief, you look at the door to the supermarket, you could sit there all day and wish and hope for the door to open. But if you begin to walk toward that door, the sensor or the electric eye sees you approaching, then the door is going to open. That's walking in faith towards the door because God is waiting for us to walk forward in obedience to him so he can open the door to serve us and serve him. In conclusion, there's a story. There's a story about a guy who was the most timid, He was the most fearful. He was the biggest coward who at the moment that we encounter him in the Bible, he's simply quivering in fear. And this guy's name is Gideon. One day he's sitting there quivering. He's beaten down. An angel of the Lord appears, calls out to him. Does the angel call him yellow jello? Or does he call him coward? Or does he call him chicken? No. This angel looks at Gideon and says in your notes, Gideon, you are a great warrior. Why? 
Because God doesn't see us as beaten down by circumstances and afraid. God saw Gideon for what he would become by assessing the power of God. And he would be a great warrior. So God looks at you and me today. He sees you individually with great possibilities, with tremendous potential. As you, number one, affirm God's strength. Number two, as you admit your own weaknesses. Number three, align yourself with God's will. And number four, you ask God for strength. God sees you for what you will become if you practice these four steps. Amen.